Every one of my door-to-door evangelism uh, experiences ended with me watching A New Hope <laughs> with a stranger. <laughs> we would just start arguing about the prequels. Um, how funny would it be, actually, to like go around and ask people like to do a door-to-door evangelism and be like, have you heard the good news of the Force? And like, <laughs> Have you accepted Anakin Skywalker as your personal safety? <laughs> no, no, man. No, no, no. Have you, have, you, have you embraced the light side of the Force? Come on. Be real with it, man. Mm. There are two different denominations here, Chuck. So glad I'm here. <laughs> I don't believe I don't believe dark side, light side. I believe the, the force are evil. and dark side. <laughs> then you are lost. From my perspective, <laughs> you are lost. That's fantastic. You're not recording, are you? I am recording. <laughs> oh, nice. JP, JP takes more of a yin and yang uh, view of the force. No, not really. I think the light side, dark side is the yin and yang. I, I believe that there is the force... And the dark side. There's no it's not called the light side of the force, it's just the force. The force is always supposed to be good. But then what about what about finding balance, JP? Yeah. The uh, force when the dark side is expelled, that's that is balance. When there is just the force. When there is no dark side. When there are no Sith to practice the dark dark side, that is the balance. Uh, see see I think that the the approach mm-hmm. is more there's just the force and it's how you use it. Yeah, I, I feel like that's kind of like what they're trying to head toward in that show, Rebels. I haven't watched it in a while. But also maybe even in The Last Jedi. But we'll see. I don't know, dude. Nobody knows. Like, George Lucas... He, even he didn't know, man. He made his <laughs> stuff up as he went along. Like, we love to... Like, we pretend that he had this, like, grand unified myth floating in there. No, we didn't. Yeah, he didn't. And, and No, it's so... It's yeah. so blatantly obvious that the A New Hope was supposed to be the only movie. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Right. It's, it totally is. And it's funny, like, Kathleen Kennedy recently came out and said, like, we actually have no plans for any of the movies. Like, we're just kind of doing this as we go along. So <laughs> Star Wars has never had a plan. Like, and everyone thinks, whoa, it's like this huge thing. It's all connected. Not really. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, kind of like, it's kind of like Han Solo. It's just... <laughs> They were able to. They were able to pull off the biggest reveal in movie history because it was a surprise to them too. (laughs) (laughs) What if he's his father? Oh my God! Shoot that right now. (laughs) Well, apparently, when that happened, even David Prowse, like, he didn't even say, "Luke, I'm your father." He, or like, um, or he says, "No, he didn't say that thing." No, I am your father because I have to get the line right because that's the whole thing. We remember it incorrectly, but like, Prowse didn't actually even say the line on set. He said, um, "I." um, You say Obi Wan killed your father. Yeah, Obi-Wan killed your father. Like, apparently later they told, or I guess maybe either either only Mark Hamill knew what the actual line was going to be when James Earl Jones read it, yeah. or they came up with the idea later. But Yeah, I know, I know James Earl Jones heard about it pretty early because he, he, thought he thought Darth Vader was lying. Okay. I just love that I inadvertently discovered that the exact same no and facial expression is in the movie It. <laughs> <laughs> really? The wife the... discovers her husband and oh. she's like, no, and makes the exact same face. The, the, the Tim, exact the Tim, same scream. The Tim Curry It? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, that movie's so bad. Okay. So we're going to talk about creation. Um, I'm not prepared. I'm sorry, guys. Hey, that's fine, man. 
Um, you know, we could we could just be recording. Like, this is just how people tune in. There is no intro. This is just you saying, <laughs> like, great. we're talking creation. I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. That's what Dan Harmon does. I don't see why I can't. <laughs> Let's just do it. Let's just do it, JP. Just this, just this once. Let's just be This chaos. is it. This is us right now. This is live. Because we're creating, right? We are. Yes. So, the process of process is process, to yeah. quote Stephen Colbert. This is just going to happen. Are you okay with this, Matt? Totally. Okay. Do I even say hello which, and welcome? Which is, which is funny because you, you brought up Harmon, and I'm going to refer back to that. <laughs> Should I even say hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity? I am your moderator, JP, and I'm here today with Father Chuck. Hey, what's going on? And with Matt Wells. Hey, what's going on? Should yeah, I, I think it? you should say that. Yeah, you, you just know. said it. I think we're good. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. Okay. Don't do it. Okay, fine, do fine. Don't do it. Fine, <laughs> dude. This is working on like a Yoko Ono level right now. <laughs> okay, hold on. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Guys, guys, that's her old stuff. Number nine. That's like that's like old school. Number nine. Did I tell you guys about number nine? Okay, you can stop. Number nine. Stop that, please. Number nine. Number nine. Our podcast number is nine. becoming as unlistenable number as that nine. song. Stop. Number nine. Number nine. All right, I'm hanging number up. Nine. Nope. <laughs> Actually, I, I, I can't. <laughs> uh, I need to swallow. Did I, did I tell you guys about the, uh, the video of John Lennon performing with Chuck Berry? And, or it was John Lennon and Yoko performing with Chuck Berry. You sent us the link to it. Did you guys watch it? <laughs> Where he's like, Chuck Berry looks at it like, what is that? Yeah, because <laughs> Yoko Ono starts making like farm sounds, like like animal sounds. Like she goes, la, 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 like during, in the middle of a Chuck Berry song. Well, I I told you how, um, I, I think I've told this in the podcast before, about how um, John Lennon heard Red, uh, heard, um, Red Lobster, Rock Lobster <laughs> yeah. playing at a club. And when he heard the animal sounds part, he was like, oh, finally, like people are making music like Yoko does. <laughs> He's serious. Like, serious. He was like, finally, music. His exact words in the interview, if I'm not mistaken, were, "Finally, music has caught up to what Yoko was doing. Yoko and I were doing. So I thought now was the time to dust off the old guitar and get back at it. And so then they recorded Double Fantasy, and then he was murdered. I didn't realize the B-52s had been around that long. Wow. Yeah, dude. Well, now yeah, I just uh, wish that everyone would perform. Well, um. Before we like you know do our stream of consciousness topic, uh, can I can I say something real quick? Can I just have an aside for a moment? You're the moderator. Not if it's about the mommy. It's not. (laughs) Well, okay. I wasn't going to say anything, but now that you brought it up, I do have a thought. (laughs) I think that the mommy, uh, the reason why that okay, I'm just just messing with you guys. Um, I want to be kind of transparent with our audience for just a couple of minutes, okay? Um, and I haven't, this is like, this is totally, this is totally, uh, 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 out of the blues. Father Chuck and and Matt have no idea that I, what I'm going to talk about. Um, I, there's a podcast that I subscribe to or used to subscribe to. And, um, they, uh, they do their podcast for a living basically also as well as, uh, being filmmakers, like sort of successful filmmakers, not really. You might have heard of them, their movies. Not, not really. I'm not really gonna say who they are because I don't, I don't really like them anymore. But anyway, um, I was listening to their podcast, and I've been sort of a big fan of theirs for a while now. And because they kind of do it for a living, um, they have a, like a Patreon setup where you can uh, donate money 
or uh, they also sell merchandise, you know, it, all this stuff to kind of keep the podcast going and so they can kind of, they can sort of make it their job. And they've been doing this for a couple of years and um, they don't make that much, not as much as you'd think they would make. And yeah, they're filmmakers, but they're not like super successful filmmakers. They make small, small budget films. So they're not that successful. Um, but one of the hosts, the more vocal of the hosts, there's like two hosts, he recently said some things about people who listen to the podcast and don't donate. Basically saying, like, they don't deserve the show. And he said it in a way that he was definitely not kidding. And um, I'm one of those listeners. I'm one of the listeners who, who has listened to the show and has not donated money or bought their merchandise simply because I don't have the money. And uh, he said some things like how uh, I don't believe that there's anyone out there who can't donate at least $1 a month. Um, I totally cannot. Uh, but this is not, I'm not trying to like start a beef <clears throat> or something because that's not going to happen. <laughs> we, have, we have a very small listenership, a very small listenership that, that, that I, I adore. I'm so glad you guys are listening. And I just want to tell you guys, from the moderator uh, to your ears, um, you know, we've talked about doing things like Patreon and how we can kind of monetize this just to kind of keep the lights on. Not really to pay ourselves, but just like things for like our website and uh, storage for the episodes. That, that's kind of what we would use it for. But we haven't really, we haven't really done that. <laughs> um, but I just kind of want to reach out. I just want to say something to our audience. I just want to say... Um, I will never, I personally will never say that you don't deserve our show. Uh, you don't have to give us anything. And I am, I am sincerely glad that you listen to us, even though we don't make any money off of this. We don't really do it for a living. If anything, we've, we've lost money on this. <laughs> we have. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, we, we do this because we love it. We, we like doing, I mean, for God's sakes, we do it every week, <laughs> you know, every week um but we love doing it that's why we do it and uh i'm not gonna i unsubscribe to that podcast i don't listen to them anymore because i i i felt kind of um even though i've never talked to the guy i mean he he's read some of my questions on the show i've never personally talked to the guy i felt a little alienated as a fan that he basically told me that he i don't deserve to listen to his show for free even though he puts it on for free but so that's just a little aside. I'm sorry if uh, it got real or whatever. Yeah, I um, I expect our listeners to pay me. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Where's my money? <laughs> Show me that money. You know, uh, but if, if you did want to donate, like, we're not going to stop you. We <laughs> yeah, won't exactly, stop. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. We wouldn't, we wouldn't refuse your money. There might be some some a little bit of passive aggression really you don't have to okay we'll take it like it'll it'll be like it's something you could expect that but yeah it's it'll be kind of like when you take your if you try to take your grandma out to lunch yeah and she's like i'm gonna pay and you're like no i got it grandma and she's like "Mm." (laughs) you can see she's already kind of got the credit card out and you're like okay okay mima um so there's that um so matt wells yeah, yeah, I'm here every week. <laughs> uh, welcome back, my friend. Our reoccurring yeah. guest. Yeah, yeah. Today, uh, today is my daughter's birthday. Oh, uh, happy birthday, Bella! Happy birthday, Bella! So, How old is she? 
She's 20. six. No, no, she's not. No. Yeah, Gosh. she's six. Um, it made her day when I FaceTimed her in the middle of my training. Yeah. And had 30, 30, like 38 police officers yell happy birthday to her at the same time. Aww. That like made her day. Um, but yeah, that's why I was gone off our messenger and I, I didn't return our, our moderator's texts. It's all um, right. <laughs> but for the sake of this episode, I'm going to claim that I was just creating suspense. Way <laughs> 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 to go. Uh, I'm always on the edge of my seat. <laughs> number nine, number nine, number nine. And now we've lost more subscribers. Great. Awesome. Next. <laughs> uh, we, uh, please give us money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Pay us a dime, though we could totally use it. Um, we'll take a nickel, though. Yeah, we'll take a nickel. A few of those. Um, well, that's great. Happy birthday to Bella, Father Chuck. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, man. Yeah, I got that. I, I got. I got to say, you know, last week I was talking about how how desperately I wanted to listen to Jay Z's new album, 444. Oh yeah. And and that and that junk came out on iTunes the next day. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I downloaded it, and I got to tell you, man, that, that that album is all time. It is, <laughs> it is, it is, it is bare, man. Like it is, he is. That is a that it, it, it that list figure in our culture, wow. being brutally honest about his own shortcomings and and failures, and it is rare to hear, especially considering that in hip hop, you know. Um, being sort of braggadocious and having a degree of arrogance and stuff is 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 part of the is you know there's you know that kind of posturing sort of thing is sort of part of the whole aesthetic yeah. to have this guy just talking about how he is screwed up how you know and how he's trying to think more about the future and think about his kids rather than just himself and it is it is i think a bit of a watershed moment um for for our culture to hear that and um and then it's actually got me interested in uh, Beyonce's Lemonade, and it made me realize that I, I said some, I don't want to say unfavorable things about Beyonce in a previous episode, but they weren't necessarily positive. And I have to take those back. She is, uh, she is much more talented than I gave her credit for. You finally come around then. on Queen Bay. I've come around on Queen Bay. I will not be a part of no Bay Hive, <laughs> but I have come around on Queen Bay. Come on, Chuck. Slay. Slay, Chuck. Yes, Queen. <laughs> Uh, is that what that's from? I don't know. <laughs> I, I know a lot of Beyonce fans do that. I, I hate that Yas Queen <laughs> nonsense. I hate it. I thought it was. I thought it was out of like from people watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, uh, it probably is. Not that I have anything wrong with drag queens. Just I know they the say a lot of Yas Queen. They say a lot of Broad City. Uh, well, that's cool, man. Uh, everyone, uh, get out there and listen to Jay Z's new album, Four Forty Four. Right. Four Forty Four. That's how much it costs. <laughs> that's nine ninety nine. <laughs> Um, cool. Well, uh, guys, I million dollars a game for nine ninety nine. Sorry, quoting the quoting the record. <clears throat> what have I been up to? I'm just farming. I'm growing a lot of tomatoes. Farmer John, okra, and squash and zucchini. Actually, our squash and zucchini field aren't are, isn't doing too well because of squash bugs. How's it? How's it okra doing? Is it? Is it? Is it coming through? You guys just plant it, dude. It's selling faster than it's growing. Dude, got to fry that stuff up. Delicious. I know, man. I know. Mix <laughs> it with some tomatoes. Mm. You know, it's really funny, Chuck. Um, I don't know if you noticed this or maybe if you noticed it too, Matt. But uh, when we were going to PBA, I remember the first time the cafeteria served okra, fried okra. 
and like nobody knew what it was. Yeah. And I like I just like went after that. Like I just piled it on because nobody would touch it because they're like, what is that? I don't know. What is that? I'm like it's fried right. okra, you fools. <laughs> Whenever somebody talks about okra, you just think of okra. <laughs> <laughs> you think you think that that okra is best friends with kale? Like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> what in the world? What? That was the daddest dad joke. <laughs> I'm just that's gonna... almost as that's almost as bad as when I did that photo for Christmas a few years ago where I put two beats on my ears and I like had a cable running from them to a bag of black eyed peas and I said I was listening to the black eyed peas with my new beats headphones. This was worse. I'm, I'm ending this podcast right here. It's... You know what? You guys don't have to donate anything. It's fine. I'm glad you listened. I'm glad you listened. We, we had a, a good, good run, guys. It was a good run. It's, it's over now. I can't even. Can't even right now. Is okra friends with kale? Oh my! <laughs> Let me ask you guys something before we get into our topic. I don't even know if we'll get into our topic. You know, you're both gonna use that later, right? <laughs> I'm telling my wife as soon as I get home. I'm, it's fantastic. I'm telling my family, and they're all gonna be like, <laughs> they're, "You're gonna love it because there's no hope anymore." Um, <laughs> Guys, let me ask you something. I'm gonna shift gears just randomly. Did you see? Did you did you guys see the new Jumanji trailer? Yes. Matt, did you see it? Yeah, I saw it. Uh-huh. Um, can I can I make a can I make a hot take real quick? Carrot and Gillian. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. Oh, oh. Uh, can I, I? I need both of your permission to make a hot take. I know. I don't know. The... You have my permission to make a hot take. Okay. I only need one. Uh, I, t- I take it back. I, um, I enjoyed the trailer for the Jumanji reboot more than I enjoyed the original movie. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I I'd probably agree with that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I think it looks great. I I concur. Yeah, uh, The Rock, Jack Black, Kevin Hart, Karen Gillan. Am I saying her name right? Is it? It's Karen Gill- Gill- Gillan. Gillian. 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 She's or is it Jillian? I'm pretty sure it's. I think it's Karen yep. Gillan. Uh, I don't know, uh, but it looks. It looks. It looks. It just looks delightful. Mrs. Potts. It looks funny. I never liked the original Jumanji. I thought it was super dark and weird, and Robin Williams wasn't even that funny. This looks really funny. The original Jumanji is a really, really heavy movie. <laughs> it is like Kirsten does like, pretty much dies at the end of it, like. Well, and like he, he spent like. 20 years or something in like a hellish jungle situation. Yeah. So yeah. that's a, that movie's dark. I don't, I don't understand getting around Williams. Cause it's like, you're not going to have a sense of humor after that. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I uh, just wanted to make that hot take. That's all. That's all. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that trailer um, um, on the big screen recently. Um, it was right in front of a, a little movie that maybe some of our listeners have seen. It's called, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Matt, have you heard of this? It's called uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Woohoo, Spider-Man! Real, real talk, Matthew. Were you seeing that movie last week instead of recording with us? Uh, no, oh. I did not. I saw that it Friday night. Me. I saw oh, it the okay. night after you guys recorded. I wish that it was that that I was sneaking to see that, but no, <laughs> I, I did. I we totally would have understood if you did, but <laughs> no, but, it it, yeah. uh, it was awesome. 
It was awesome. Yes. It was so, good. I saw it too. All three of us saw it, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Chuck, I didn't hear you, I hear your opinion on it. I, Matt and I talked about it. He called me right after. Dude, <laughs> like, I the fun, I, I started a special thread for Father Fun, you and I, to talk about it because I wasn't sure if Matt had seen it yet, and oh. I didn't want to spoil anything for anyone. Oh, but only well. Fun and I talked about it. Well, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I was farming, you know, my hands and knees in the dirt and stuff. So it's That's true. Pretending that you could be Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I plan to see the flip, flip, flip. Um, what did you guys think of the movie? Matt, I want to hear. I want to hear Matt's take because I know he's a, he's an enormous Spider-Man fan. I I absolutely loved the movie. Yeah, like it's exactly what I thought would happen when Marvel got to be involved with making a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, um, it, it was great. I I told I told you just even seeing him in that like yellow blazer over <laughs> his Spider-Man suit. It, it's such a like straightforward comic book image of Spider-Man. Right. Um, I, I just, I love the whole thing. And it was weird because it's like, I, I don't know if I can, I can put it into words correctly. I tried before and I think I confused JP trying, but I said, it kind of felt like if you can just, just go with me now, pretend that the world we live in was actually the Marvel universe. You with me so far? Yeah. Like, okay. like yeah. we, we actually, we are in the world where Thor and all them exist and you go to a movie theater to watch a movie and this was just a teenage coming of age movie that would be played in that world. Yeah, I could, a, um, it, yeah. It, it didn't. It didn't feel like. It didn't feel in the best way I can possibly say this. It didn't feel like the other Marvel movies. It mm-hmm. felt like its own thing inside of that world. So I felt like I was watching an actual coming of age story that took place in a world that, oh, yeah, I'm familiar with these characters that they're hinting at, but it's really just about this kid who is seeing the world from his point of view, um, even literally filming it on his cell phone. And yeah. it, it, was, it was great. Loved it. Loved I, it. I thought, yeah, and I know what you're trying to say, Matt. I think what you're trying to say is they succeeded in defining what, a, what street level actually means in the Marvel, in the Marvel world. Right. Because right, the Marvel yeah. pretty much was like tears. In, com- mm-hmm. in the comics, and like Spider Man is considered street level. Mm-hmm. And they well, I mean, the, the, was it the, well in the movie? Uh, well, I mean, Spider Man kind of I don't know. I feel like street level to me is like Daredevil, and like Spider Man's kind of in between. Well, he's that. always like, considered he's, to share share with like Daredevil and 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 Luke Cage and stuff. Like he's kind of on that level, even though he uh, does. Well, okay. Even though he has gone cosmic and so because he's Spider Man. Yeah, and but, and I but, feel like and I feel like the Daredevil series and the the Luke Cage series and Jessica Jones. Those are amazing. I'm absolutely obsessed with them, but they feel like their own thing completely. Yeah. Like they're commenting on that universe, but the tone to them, the feel to them is is purposefully very different. Whereas this felt like Even it was actually inside this felt like it was actually inside the movie world, but that view were like just in a right. neighborhood seeing what's going on. I even thought for the first time they did they actually made me believe because I've said before, after you have the Avengers, how do you have these other independent superhero movies? Because if they were facing this world threatening foe, then the other guys would show up to help. It doesn't make sense that they're fighting anything by themselves anymore when they all know that they're there and they're all joined together. Right. This one, this one did because the guy he's fighting, um, Iron Man even says that's a little below our pay grade. Right. Like, I was going to say that. Like, like it acknowledges it even, that it's a different tier. Yeah, it, it even acknowledged that 
like there's certain things that they just can't get involved in because of the the scale of stuff that they're doing. Um, and I, I actually like that. That one little line there, it, it got rid of a gripe that I've had about these kind of movies so many times before. And, and yeah. it was just good. And and I know one of JP's all-time favorite moments, and, and I loved it, the, the golf course. Yeah, that's <laughs> – I – they they did so many things in the movie that like I always the, the things you talk about like over a beer like what if Spider Man wasn't a place where you couldn't like swing anywhere and they totally did it right you know like what if he was in the suburbs like <laughs> and there's a part where shoots with Spider Man doesn't go anywhere and he's like oh or or DC where there's like no skyscrapers yeah <laughs> exactly um I like um I and I like that that bit with this with the with the uh, golf course and all that I love the way that like it totally owned the fact that they were ripping off ferris bueller oh yeah <laughs> a lot of ferris bueller references yeah yeah i i will say to give my 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 quick take on it i i i i feel like it takes a skeleton of of a teen sex comedy yeah and applies it to a superhero film like a john like, hughes teen comedy yeah because like i mean think well even i i wouldn't go say like kind of even almost like even american pie without the raunch because if you if you take Spider-Manning, and I'm using air quotes, as sort of like symbolism for oh. puberty, and like, well, I mean, it's always well, yeah, puberty, of course, is always a big part of Spider-Man's like, like that's the subtext of Spider-Man, right? Yeah, yeah. It's always been the subtext of Spider-Man, yeah. Um, but like, you know, like basically, like you know, a, a teen sex comedy where a kids trying to get laid, mm-hmm. like. If you look at the movie, like it follows that trajectory. Like clearly, he hooked up with someone, right? That's that's when he was that's when he was in Germany, right? Right. <laughs> and so then, like the whole movie, like the beginning, he's just constantly on the phone calling. He wants his next go. When can I do it again? When can I do it again? He's tired of doing this. Like you know, he tells his best, his best friend finds out about it. Yeah, he tells he's, his best friend about it, he's and like, Tell his me whole more. thing is <laughs> right. And then like. It's kind of like American Pie, where like American Pie stories with these you know guys trying to get laid, but during the process they realize that sex is more than just the act. It's about like being in love with people and making those connections. That's interesting. Take, and, like, Chuck. yeah, dude, I like that. Cool stuff. Yeah, I loved it too. Uh, what did you guys think about Michael Keaton? Oh my gosh, he's so good. Did you uh, <laughs> did you see that twist coming? I did not. Me neither. It took me by surprise totally. Sorry, Matt. We're like talking over you. That's fine. I'm I'm just laughing. Entertainment Weekly did did an incredible. um, They did a cover for the for Spider Man, and had him like laying in a spiderweb hammock over the city or whatever, holding his phone. And all the text on the cover was like his text messages. Yeah. So it's like he's texting, "Hey guys, you got to come see this movie. It's really cool." And one of them said, "I'm fighting a man who looks just like Birdman." That's fine. And it was just Aha. it was good, um, but no, I I thought that uh, Michael Keaton was awesome in it. Yeah. I did say my one gripe about the movie would be the design of his character. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt it was like it was it didn't fit in how over the top his his wings and stuff looked. Like it it didn't fit within the movie. Um, but it wasn't enough to make me not like it. And I thought that he was great. I loved his, his character and stuff. Yeah. Um, I just, the, the design, that would be my only gripe is the wings were a little much for, for the I, scope of the movie. I always thought Vulture was a lame villain anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he flies. That's, that's, that's it. <laughs> you know? Um, but 
yeah, but Michael Keaton is so great. Like when he shows up, uh, spoilers by the way. Uh, when he shows up at the door, like I thought for a minute, like he had found out who Peter Parker was and like took the girl hostage or something. But like, oh, right. oh, he's her dad. Oh, <laughs> that's even better. Well, and like, and I loved like what I loved about his. Uh, I think he may be the best villain in the MCU, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Really? Because you like, liked him more well, than uh, Ego. Ego's pretty good. I, 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 yeah, I guess the ego. But the thing that I think that I like about Michael Keaton's about Tombs, his character is like he's a domestic guy, and like they make these little references throughout the movie about like his wife wants him to like. They make a couple little jokes. He's like, "No oh, wife, you did bring home blah 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 blah." And he's like, no. "Why are you reading my text message?" That whole back and forth. But like it hints like early on, it hints that he's married, and like that there's more to him than just I'm a bad guy and I'm going to steal stuff to make a lot of money. Like. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's a bad guy, but he's doing it for domestic purposes. It's not, I don't know. He's, it just, it, 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 it yeah. It, it's more so, like, it's almost like a flash villain. It's almost like one plus, of the flashes villains. Plus, plus yeah. I, I would argue, I'd argue he's one of the smartest villains um, because finally somebody just figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> and I, know, it really, I did like, I did it like that. It didn't, it didn't take him long to like totally notice the obvious. Um, and sometimes it's like in movies, really, come on, guys, you can't figure out who this is. Um, I, I love that he's just like, oh, yeah, I got it. I know, I know what's going on here. Um, so I'd argue he's one of the uh, the most streetwise villains also that have been out there. Figured it out really quick. Yeah, so, I thought it was nice. – there's the movie – The only my only gripe with the movie, my only gripe, again, because we're doing spoilers, is the MJ reveal. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah, I didn't either. like it. Yeah, I, it, I said it, it. It felt like Robin. Exactly. Yeah. It, to me, it it was. It, I had no issue with the actress being the character. Like, what my the thing is when it won, it felt like Robin. It's such a, like a tacked on, you know, like Dark Knight Returns Robin thing. Yeah. Like I felt so tacked on, and the other is is that like the Zendaya's character in the movie doesn't act like Mary Jane from the comics. I'm fine with different interpretations, but like. The thing that I like about the thing, maybe it's a wish fulfillment thing. I don't know. But like the thing that I've always found intriguing about Mary Jane is that she's supposed to be this person that no nerd is ever like, or that every nerd is going to want to be with, but would never be with a nerd. Right. But that she recognizes qualities in Peter, you know, that, that, and that kind of thing. And like really um, Liz, the character of Liz that's in the movie to me was more like Mary Jane from the comics. Right. Than where they're going. So that, I mean, I don't know. Like, but at the same time, like, I, I don't know. I it's really, not that big of a gripe. I just thought yeah. it was poorly executed. I really liked her character. I thought she was awesome. <laughs> she actually made me laugh a lot. What's, oh, Zendaya? Yeah. Um, yeah. But like I said, and you know, if they wanted to make her a Mary Jane, I'm, I'm okay with that. I have no problems with that at all. Um, but just the way they did it, I wasn't. It just reminded me way too much of Dark Knight Rises. Way too much. Because I, right. I, I, well, hate, I hate that scene in Dark Knight Rises. Like, it's right. one of the reasons why I hate that movie. Well, and, um, she's not, and she's not Mary Jane, actually. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of demystifying. It's kind of demystifying, you know? And it's, it felt very 90s. Yeah. It's, you know, like in those 90s serial movies where they're kind of embarrassed with the source material and they kind of try to <laughs> yeah. apologize for it? It kind of felt like that to me. But Yeah, it just, it's, it just didn't, didn't feel like a Marvel thing to do. Yeah, it felt like a Sony thing to do. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Marvel would either just have Mary, the actual Mary Jane, or like just someone else. Like, right, right. Yeah. So, 
But uh, yeah. I agree. That's better than being able to drive in the movie. The rest of the movie is, is, is wonderful. I love it. And I uh, almost I, I, I hovered in my seat when, when, when the Ramones started playing during the montage of him being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I loved that yeah. scene. Yeah. <laughs> so go and see it. Marissa Tomei is really hot, too. And, and this is, this is, <laughs> Those jokes this, were is great. <laughs> this is the first movie that actually made sense about him being the friendly neighborhood yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. Like the, it's it really like the whole movie just takes place within this like couple block radius of him, you know, trying to recover stolen bikes that he doesn't know who they belong to. Yeah. <laughs> Getting into good stuff. Nice. <laughs> nice. nice uh, what was a Colombian lady buys him a churro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's just good. It's pretty funny. I took my nephew to see it, and I, and I like I totally blew his mind when I revealed to him that Happy Hogan directed the first two Iron Man movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, but take your kids see it. So uh, we should probably jump into our topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of I, if you if, if people haven't noticed by now, I'm we're, we're kind of experimenting with segments. Uh, you know, I think it's cool just to kind of catch up on what's going on in our lives and talking about things we're experiencing and reading and watching and stuff. And, you know, I think it's fun. Uh, but we're going to jump into our topic, uh, which I'm not prepared for, uh, if you've been listening, <laughs> which is uh, creation. Well, do you want to tell the listeners, JP, why we're talking about creation? Sure. I'll do that. Um, are you going to do it now? Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I should do it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so we've decided to do another, uh, uh, not really, re- I mean, we're not really dedicating a month, right? We're just going to, just going to do it. Not it's not like music mayhem. Yeah. yeah. Just another, another group of episodes, another yeah. series. This is like a, will. imagine like, like sweeps week on TV where they just kind of pop up and do something cool just because they need the ratings boost. Uh, we're going to do a, a small series where we are going to focus on a favorite creator of ours. Um, and we're just going to dedicate each episode to that creator. And between each episode, we're going to read or watch or just experience something from that creator. And we're going to convene and talk about him or her, which work we decided to read or watch. And uh, we're just going to celebrate our favorite creators on this podcast. Uh, have you guys given any thought of? I mean, I, we all know who Matt who Matt's going to do, but yeah. <laughs> I, I figured out. I figured out who I'm going to do. You, you figured it out. Uh huh. Cool. Uh, I am still. I'm still mulling it over. I thought I had a great idea for one yesterday, but I'm I'm kind of not really in love with it anymore today. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, you could probably guess it. I probably probably will go in the way of a filmmaker. <laughs> You should surprise us all and be like, we're going to look at the works of Monet. <laughs> we'll just do Bob Ross. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I don't think it's good for a podcast, right? Like, you talk about paintings in a podcast? We can talk about the, the show. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Oh. Well, actually, I think actually that, that actually might be a good way for I, I, I can talk about creation by talking about Bob Ross. Oh, OK. So like just so we, we can talk in general. So like if, if so, I, I, we can we, I can work with that. That's but oh, man, you, by suggesting I can't do it now. <laughs> it's OK. It's I, all right. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about it. Cool. All right. So but this episode to sort of preface the series, 
uh, we've got this. We're doing this as sort of a a, a preface to the, to the series, a prelude, a prelude, if you will, to talk about just creation in general. Um, creation. Uh, I don't know how to. T- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to talk about creation. What are we talking about? Are we talking about uh, it's uh, making I, things, man? Yeah, I know it's making things. I, I know that I'm a filmmaker, you know. Uh, but 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 it's not just making things. That's, that would be that would be my part of the discussion. It's it's not just making things. There's more to creating something than making something. Right. Why do you guys think that humans have to create? Because we have been, we were created in the image of God, uh-huh. who is a creator. Okay, that's that's my churchy Sunday school answer. <laughs> All right, let's go. Put, Chuck, here's a star. Go put it on your name on the back. Can we? Can we? Can we just somehow? Jewel for my crown. Can we somehow place like a gif of JP's big eye roll that incorporated his entire head when you gave that answer? <laughs> was that really that's, an eye roll? No, I didn't. <laughs> that was a. That yes, you did. No, I Most didn't. Certainly did. <laughs> Sir, you are recording this. Go back and watch the video before you edit the sound. <laughs> Look, man, we are masters of divinity. We have to talk about God. Matt is character I, assassinating right now. Like I, <laughs> I actually, I actually, you know, do the opposite. Despite the whole, the height, despite the whole Sunday school answer part of it, I really do think that is a big part of it. I think that we, we bear aspects of the one who created us. And I think that our desire to create and our enjoyment out of creating is part of that. Um, just like I believe that another big aspect is love, but that's a whole nother, um, episode and discussion. But I think that creating things is part of how we take place in in something bigger than ourselves. Um, and I think that we, we live within a creation that invites us to create ourselves. And I think that that's part of what it is, is, is a desire to take part in that. So I I do think that that's a big part of why. So you think, so you guys, you guys probably both think that like every person has the capacity to to be creative. Yes. Well, I, I, I don't think everybody just has the capacity. I think everybody does. And that's where you have to get into the discussion of what it means to create. Right. Um, is it just some people would think creating is a physical act, like creating, building something or writing something or filming something. But can creation also be bringing, bringing new ideas and new concepts and hope into a situation where it wasn't there before? And if you look at it that way, then I think we create every time we interact with the world that we live in. And we can either create hope or we can create despair and discouragement. And it's our choice of which route we're going to go with that. Look at Matt hitting it out of the park. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I wasn't even going to that. I was going to ask you guys if you like to <laughs> write stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I got to make up for the weeks I missed, man. I got to earn, earn that money that's coming in. Yeah, well, I guess I'm going back to what but Matt did make a good point, though, about saying that, like, we can create something beautiful or something ugly. Yeah. You know, we create either harmony and peace or we create, you know, discord. Um, so I don't know, like, you can create things that you don't love. Yeah, that's true. Well, but I, I, I guess we I guess we would qualify a good creation based off of how much you love it. Yeah, right. Well, and and I would I would also th- I would also 
trying to think of how to put it into words exactly. But I would also say, well, we'll put it this way. I don't know how much of our recording before the recording is going to make it into here, but we were having a discussion about the force and the light side and the dark side. And I was like, oh, I think, you know, there's that whole idea that there's just the force and it's how you use it. Um, To kind of take the nerd approach, I would say that there is only love and there's how we use it. Um, I don't think that there's, I think that, for example, hate is not the absence of love. It's a distortion of what love is supposed to be. It is taking my focus and twisting it toward seeing seeing other people brought down or seeing something destroyed or seeing something fall. But it comes from this, this emotion towards something, not emotion, but that's the only word I can use for it, um, towards something that I think is is in essence like for example when somebody talks bad about themselves um if i talk about how bad i look or how awful i am or how i'm not smart there's another side to that coin that there's part of me saying i should be more than that i should be better looking i should be smarter why can't i be this um so i think that love is a driving force to everything and how we choose to respond to it is what we see as hate or anger as opposed to a love that is creative and and restoring um and i think that there's creation and there's destruction but both come from a they both basically come from the same power if you want to put it that way um god's instilled us with the ability to love and create but if we choose to take that and twist it then it's hatred and destruction um, yeah the uh, two things that come to mind when you talk about this matt is um one is just this past um just this past week um past sunday in church um one of our readings was from romans chapter seven where paul talks about um you know, I do the I don't do the thing that I want to do. I do the thing that I hate. You know that really confusing passage in Romans, and um, but there's this thing where he says, "But if I do the thing that I don't, if I do the thing that I hate, then I acknowledge that the law is good." And that got me thinking a little bit what you're saying there. That like sort of, you know, when you're saying like, "Oh, well, by saying that I'm ugly, you're you know implying something else that there is another positive thing out there that." you're talking about it in a wrong way or whatever, but like you're affirming, you're, you're, you're sort of negatively affirming a good thing. Right. Um, then, but the other thing I made me think of is, um, and the bigger thing was, um, something that C.S. Lewis used to talk about. And I know, um, you were in my C.S. Lewis class, weren't you, Matt? Uh, no, I was in your Tolkien class. Oh, okay. Um, but C.S. Lewis talked about that. There is nothing, there's no absolute (laughs) evil. Evil is evil is just, um, good corrupted that when you look at even the most heinous evil acts in the world, you can see that the person is trying to accomplish something that in their mind is good. They think they're doing something good. Nobody does an act of evil just for the sake of evil. Everyone justifies their act of evil as though they're trying to do something good. Um, yeah, doesn't he write about that in the screw tape Letters? Yeah. Yeah. It's just something about making the guy believe that good and evil are opposites or whatever. And I don't know. I remember it's been a yeah. long time since I read the book, but yeah. But well, and, and I think that if you want to put it in a context of like the world that we live in, when we see when we see something that is undeniably evil, um, like a 
say like the Pulse nightclub shooting, there's an aspect of it that affirms that there should be something good. Right. And I think that's what that's where we see we see the power of humanity and love in people's response to situations like that because something evil really just shines light on the fact that we're lacking we're lacking what should be there that there was a this person that would go into this club and carry out this act toward a group of people affirms in us the need for all of us to to care for each other and watch out for each other and seek the better um, for each other and it's just it's his this one individual's response to humanity shows us all how we actually should respond to humanity and that's not giving him credit in any way because i don't want to make it sound like there's any positive behind that taking place but what i would say is that that's the point is that it proves that there's a positivity we should be striving for yeah Um, well and 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 that's kind of I mean, that's kind of in the subtext of the Beatitudes, you know, when Jesus talks all these blessed things, you know, we, we, we tend to think of the Beatitudes as if you do a certain thing that will lead to blessing, but that's the, the, the those are given to us in what's in, in Greek, what's known as the indicative mood, meaning that like, if you experience something, you are blessed. So like, if you are a peacemaker, you are blessed, but it also says, if you mourn, you are blessed because you will be comforted. And so that sense of learning to see the graces in in all things that like, even, even in a horrible tragedy, there is, there is a, a blessedness that can come from that because like you're saying, like, yeah, we like the horrible tragedy is there and it's happened, but it also provides, it also provides an opportunity for the goodness of humanity to arise in opposition to that act of evil. And like, and like you're saying, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't excuse it, which goes back to Paul in Romans who says, you know, should sin, so should sin abound so the grace can abound. And he says, you know, God forbid, um, you know, it's not, it's not about letting off the, letting bad things off the hook. And it's that broken window fallacy kind of thinking, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just bringing it another direction. So yeah, no. And, and that's also the second statement you made. That's very hard for me not to bring up the person I'm wanting to talk about next time. So, <laughs> 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 so that's, that's great. Wonderful. Great. Um, well, I don't really know how to follow you guys up, especially since I didn't really prepare. Um, but what I can say is, you know, what kind of spurred this idea to talk about creators and <laughs> wanting to celebrate our favorite ones is because I was just, um, I had heard about, I had read some news that they're making a, the HBO is producing a, a documentary about Steven Spielberg. And it's just called Spielberg and it's going it's coming out I think like in September, which would make sense cuz that's like his birthday, I think. Um sometime in the month of September. I just remember th- and I just remember thinking like not being really excited about it because I feel like I I've been obsessed with Steven Spielberg my whole life and I feel like I know everything about him and when i heard they were making a documentary i was like i don't really know what else there is i can learn about this man because i've been following him my whole life and like and picking the picking apart every piece of his art and his life like since i was since i was a child and it just kind of i don't know there's something about that that i had this like kind of relationship with the creator 
my whole life. And it's not just because he's a filmmaker, but just because, like, he's, he's Steven Spielberg. He's amazing. You know, everything he makes, like, I'm just in, in total awe of it. And it's not just, be, it's not just um, because he, he connects with me personally, but because I just think he makes something really beautiful every single time. And, uh, I don't know, just this, just this thought of like following somebody and like, like connecting with somebody through creativity and, and creation. Um, by the way, my, my choice, my, my creator is not Steven Spielberg. I'm not doing Spielberg. Oh. <laughs> I'm just using an example. This is, that just what inspired the topic. Uh, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about, uh, creators and how they're like in our lives and like they 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 like purchase real estate in our heads in our souls in our in our consciousness and uh i think it's a it's a very it's fascinating to me because that's what i want to do and you know if you listen to the rob bell episode um i even ask him like how do you how do you how do you be that person you know um i don't think i really asked him in the way i wanted to but he did give a pretty good answer which I can't and an make. incredible idea, which you failed on, but that's I, I know. I just I can't. Still have time. You still have time. <laughs> I don't know, guys. Florida's so, gonna, so, gonna sink. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna segue off into something else, but I found it interesting that this happened um, in light of what we're talking about. Yeah. But I listening to podcasts this afternoon during my lunch break from tra- from training. Yeah. Um, and Harmon on the Harmon Town podcast. Yeah. He um, and for for you guys because the two of you should go listen to it. The latest episode. I just started. I just started listening to it. At the twenty-five minute and eleven second mark, in case you're curious, yeah. um, he starts talking about how he he figure he's like I finally figured out how to write, and the audience like cracks up and starts <laughs> clapping because. If you listen to him, he can never write. He always just sits around and wastes time yeah. and talks about how his deadlines are coming and nothing's done. Um, but his I can write thing at the 25-minute mark turns into a discussion about God. Really? Um, because I, I just checked. Saying, I'm only 14 minutes in, so I'm not there yet. So, so he Well, spoiler alert, but you'll, <laughs> he, says it, he says it in his own way, so you'll get a kick out of that anyway. Yeah. But, um, but he talks about how, to him, the creative process— is to allow God to speak through you Hmm. and that the more you get out of the way, he's like, it's going to go through you and it's going to bump up against you, which is where your voice comes from. But the more you allow him to speak, the more what you write is going to be great. And the more what you do is going to be great. Um, And he gets into this really interesting concept because what I find fascinating about him is his, uh, Harmon is not the guy you would necessarily go to to talk about God, um, to be like, hey, who is God? Yeah. But he, his answer to me was so, in typical Harmon fashion, uh, it sounds so like nonsense because he's rambling on stage, but it's so deep. And probably when stuttering. You're really a lot listening. Too. Uh, he, he stutters <laughs> at one point so bad, it's hilarious. Um, and they start playing a remix from the last time he stuttered. <laughs> they did it. They said, they they said last episode they're going to do it. Yeah, and it's incredible. Um, it's, it's like this rant he's going on, and then it's like, stop, 
somebody remix that and then it goes <laughs> into this like beat with his remix stutter it's great but anyway he um he gets into this logical it's actually an approach to and i know this word can be can be a dirty word for some people who are familiar with the christian culture but he gets into an approach that some apologetics try try to use that's like a logical approach to discussing how god exists and it's basically how do you talk to somebody about how God exists without referring to the Bible or anything about church? Just approach it from a logical perspective. And Harmon totally nails that discussion really? that he reached on his own by saying, he's like, it just makes sense to me. Because he's like, so what are you saying, Harmon? Do I believe in God? And you believe in God? You're one of those people? He's like, well, let me just say this. He's like, I believe that it makes more sense that there's n that nothingness would create and become something rather than infinity becoming more. He's like, because to exist is greater than to not exist. So everything is striving to exist. He's like, so I believe that there is this, this, I don't think he used the word force, but it's the only thing I can think of because of our star Wars discussion. Yeah. He's like, there is this force that is out there that has brought this and created this and holds this and if you can be on the good side of that and be working with it then let it flow through you then things are going to work and he's like and some people call that karma some people call that this he's like but it just makes sense to me otherwise without that what are we he's like there's nothing special about us if that's not there if there's not something that that created and started it that holds it together and believes that to exist is better than to not exist so um, that's that's and that's it's a twist on Anselm's ontological argument. That's right. Interesting. There you go. Ontological. Thank you. There's a word I couldn't think of. The ontological argument, because um, basically, JP, for for you, the ontological argument is basically to tell somebody what do you think God is, and anybody is going to say, well, God would have to be the greatest thing that exists. If there's a God, it has to be the best of the best. Like nothing can be greater than God. You say, okay, so God is greatest thing to exist. And do you think that it is that to exist is superior to not existence? And of course, they're going to be like, yeah, to exist is better. And they're like, so if you can contemplate the idea of something that is absolute great and existing is better than not existing, then the absolute great has to exist. Huh. So it's basically, that's the ontological argument in a nutshell. It's using logic to say that if we can conceive the concept of God, then it has to exist because existence is always greater than not existing. It's fascinating. But his, his rant there was very interesting. And to hear it today, knowing that tonight we're talking about this, so for him to talk about his creative process and yeah. then go into a discussion of God was very interesting. It is, and I... I I know he's he is very interested in things like God and religion and uh, he's a he's a student of uh, Joseph Campbell. He kind of developed a, a writing method that sort of came from Joseph Campbell's analysis of you know the hero's journey and stuff. The mono myth. Yeah, and, and it's then, actually really cool. And then he follows it up with a rant about. Um, liberals who have gone too far and become whiny people who just complain all the time and how he's like but whatever i live on a hill i have lots of water in my house and i've got a gun so come at me <laughs> yeah. he bought a gun recently <laughs> but that that actually leads me into a 
another kind of topic tying into creation uh, since Matt brings up Dan Harmon, and, which is uh, I, I've wanted to do for a while now an, an episode on on Joseph Campbell. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get to do that, um, but I do like talking about Joseph Campbell and 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 like what his uh, his expertise and like what how people are kind of have used his analysis as like a inspiration for story structure. And the most famous example being star Wars. Yeah. I would be on board with talking about Joseph Campbell, mostly because how kind of talk a little bit about what, what damage he has done to religious thinking in America. Uh, Cause he's dam- done a significant amount of damage to religious thinking in America and, and, and writing. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to think about it, like, cause people are kind of, I think people have gotten a, the wrong idea about his work in terms of like how to apply it to things like writing and being creative. Yeah. But the whole idea of a monomyth has led to this whole thing of people saying they're like, Oh, all religions are basically the same thing. So who cares? Um, yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to talk about because yeah, he, that, 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 that is his part of his expertise is comparative religion, which is like trying to find similarities and different religions and, and ideas and stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's I've 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 skimmed through some of his books uh, because I don't own any, and um, some of them are like oh, this is like a textbook. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> he's a heavy dude. Yeah, uh, but also like he can also get really. But at the same time, like that you know those thoughts might be damaging, Chuck. But at the same time, I I have found, admittedly through Dan Harmon, <laughs> a lot of a lot of use from his quote discoveries unquote which is that like you know people a lot of creative types like to apply joseph campbell's thoughts to the creative process no one thinks to how how to apply it to real life which is what i think joseph campbell was trying to do uh which is like i think the point of trying to find all this the same story in all religions is 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 is, is to find your story that your story can be like those stories you know that you not not necessarily that you could be like a savior or a messiah or a god literally but like that you can have a life that's like fulfilling and it all stems from follow your bliss which is what this is a famous saying is it's follow your bliss which basically just means go after what you love and then yeah, your story that, will develop that sounds like Joel Osteen to me does it yeah. See, we're kind of already doing the episode you want to do, JP. Are we? <laughs> that went over my head. I don't know. No, because you said you want to do an episode about Joseph Campbell. Now we're talking about Joseph Campbell kind of in depth. So Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't, have to go, we don't have to go too in depth. I just wanted yeah. to touch on it because I think it, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it ties into creation and stuff. And how it's way too meta, guys. We're getting too meta. Move on. <laughs> There's no such thing as too meta. Um, ooh. Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, no, and I think I'll tell you, since you're talking about people who inspire you in creation, I'll tell you about who inspires me in creation. We already kind of hinted at him earlier, and that is Mr. Robert Ross, Bob Ross, <laughs> Joy Bob of Ross. Painting, um, because the, uh, Bob Ross has helped me understand the concept of creation theologically and others, probably more than any textbook that I've ever read, because, really? yeah, because like. So creation, at least in the Christian, under, Jew, the Jewish and Christian understanding, is taking is going from chaos to cosmos, you know, chaos to order, 
and seeing how like Bob Ross, like, I mean, watching the painting process is, is fascinating, but like how, you know, you get to see like, like every step of the way, like he makes something and you're like, that's perfect. And then he like messes it up. And then he does, and then and then, then that next thing like adds to it. And you're like, oh, now it's more perfect, and it's more perfect. Like, and that 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 layering on and like interrupting it. It's like it, so it's that that sense that like the thing that you think you're satisfied with. Mm-hmm. Like, if I were like he like so he'll start with a mountain, and you're like that mountain is perfect. It's a snow capped beautiful mountain. Like he's taken this you know dark blue or black blob, and he's added like some blue and some white, and he's made it into like a, almost a photorealistic looking snow peaked mountain and if like that's enough for me like i i, I watch the joy of painting with kane a lot actually on hulu that's on hulu like we, we watch it pretty frequently yeah and like both of us would be like yeah if i did that i just quit like that'd be it <laughs> but so like you see it and you're like all right that's it but then like he makes this giant dark glob in the like dash like a line right in the middle of the canvas and you're like what are you doing like you just messed up this beautiful mountain you made but then he adds some brown and some green oh now it's a tree now it's there's more to it. It's becoming a landscape. It's becoming a forest. It's becoming a waterfall and a river, and like it builds onto. So it's like there's like one thing of like beauty and perfection where like if I held on to that, like yeah, it would be pretty and it would be perfect. But there's more. There can be more, but that more comes with risk. Right. And and like and like that's the thing that fascinates me about watching Bob Ross paint is like is that risk and then it builds on it. And it's that idea that something can like, that there can be more perfect things. It's not that perfect, like is that's like a weird thing to say? Cause the idea of perfection is that perfection's perfection, but like that you can have perfection, but then you can build on it and it can become more perfect and then more perfect and then more perfect. Like well, that's, that's just a, yeah. a fascinating. That's, that's such a, the, that concept of perfection uh, again, you're leading me into our next week, so I'm striving not to talk about certain things. But that concept of perfection, the best thing I ever heard talked about is how we have the complete wrong idea of perfection because we believe that perfection is static, that perfection is something that you reach, and once you get there, oh, it's perfect. But that the world and creation was not created to be static. If you go by the Bible's account of creation, it was a garden that was growing and Humans were placed in it to care for it, to tend it, to mend it. Um, trees were created to make more trees. Animals created to make more animals. People could make more people. Like creation is an ongoing living thing, um, not a perfection that is reached. And once you get there, it's like, oh, that's it. I've reached perfection. Yeah. But you, that it's you, always a growth. It's always you, a progress. Are you in essence saying, Matt, that that we try so hard to make perfection when we just need to re- recognize that perfection is right in front of us. Yeah, that you can you, always you, right in front of us. Yeah. You just, you just need to take part in, in the creation that we're already taking part in. Um, and, so you're agreeing with my statement. Are you agreeing with my statement, sure, Matt? Sure. You know, why, okay. you know, it's something. from Tron legacy, baby. <laughs> Boom. So, oh, so here, God. So here's a here, here's this JP. I'm going I'm going to I'm going to ignore the Tron Legacy comment, um, and just like I ignore that movie from now on, um, and I'm going to hijack our our podcast for a minute because okay. I'm 
Okay. I'm going to have to, because I'm going to have to go home soon. <laughs> All right. So I, I have a question that we kind of talked about at the beginning, but I'm curious to hear the two of you before we start this, because all of us have somebody in mind that we're going to be talking about coming up. I don't really. And we have, our, and we, well, you have ideas though. Yeah. Um, and we have reasons why. And my question for you, and I think that's what this episode is, is, uh, is what is, what does creating mean to you? What is creation? For somebody to be a creator, what does that mean? And I'm, I'm going to hijack this host, so I'm going to make uh, JP go first, because Father Chuck, I think, is going to start rolling in a second. <laughs> uh, uh, what is creating to me? Um because you you used you you picked this topic and I find it interesting that you weren't like let's talk about our favorite authors let's talk about our favorite filmmakers let's talk about our favorite authors or artists you said I want to know who your favorite creators are yeah so what does creating mean to you it's you know it's something I'm I'm just kind of constantly trying to break to be honest like I, I don't know what kind of a definition I can even give because I, I am obsessed with creators. Like I am, I I'm obsessed with people like Steve jobs and Walt Disney and JK Rowling and Stan Lee. And yes, even Rob Bell, <laughs> Stephen King, uh, you know, these people, they're all in different fields and disciplines and whatever, but they all do the same thing, which is like, they, 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 something, pops in their brain and it's like they give it to the world and the world loves it like the pain stops for a minute the pain of humanity stops for a minute and they can enjoy this thing that, that came out of this person am i defining it <laughs> i don't know if that's no, a definition no, I like, but i i like that and, and i have my my thoughts and statements that I get to go last because I hijacked our podcast, but no, you're, you're doing good. You're doing good. Father Chuck, go, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say that creation is anything that is made that reveals something about the person who made it. Mm, I like, like that. And I, and I want to say with a degree of intention because I, but, but I'm aware that there is such a thing as accidental creation. So happy accidents. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to say, that creation is anything made that reveals something about the person who made it. I like that. I like that. That's good. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to give my, my thoughts here on, on creating and creation. And I am for, because we are masters of divinity, I'm going to take you to a great poem um, about a creation, and that would be in Genesis and the creation account given there. And I love the Bible's use of how God created and how he spoke things into being and how he formed man and breathed life into them. And I love the whole idea who a, a certain somebody created a whole series of video uh, sermons named after the concept of Numa, um, with the idea that basically... Basically, breath and spirit are, are basically an interchangeable word in, in that context that um, it's the translators who kind of realize that in this essence they mean spirit, here they mean breath, but that breath and spirit are almost one and the same. Um, 
and I find it very deep and compelling to think of it that way when it talks about God breathing life into humanity, but then that his spirit dwells in us. So it's like it's he breathes his spirit into you, but it's almost like his breath, his spirit, it's the same concept. Um, but to me, when somebody creates, because I think that there's creating something and then there's just making things. And I think that there's artists out there who can paint something that is incredibly, incredibly well done and it looks amazing, but when we see it, we're like, oh, that's just, you know, a copy off of this, or it's just this style, or that is an awesome picture, but it's that's all it is. It's just a great painting. And then there's artists and painters that when they paint, and you, you're, like, totally drawn into their work, and it changes everything. And they're the ones that we talk about, the ones that are in textbooks. And it's like, what's the difference between the two? And I think it perfectly touches on what Chuck was saying, that that it reveals something about the artist. It touches on what JP is saying, that it there's like this moment that when you see something created like that, it's like everything else goes away for a little while and you're just totally drawn into what they did. And to me, it's all this concept of how to actually create something. There's this aspect of breathing life into things. There's this aspect of speaking a word that says something about the world that we live in, the, the situation that surrounds us, the, the truths of humanity that are deeper than just the surface level observations, it hits something so much more profound. It reveals something deeper and it speaks to, to quote the person that I'm obviously going to be talking about next week, um, to, to quote Rob Bell, it speaks a new word into the world um, and how we have the ability to to breathe life into situations. And to me, that's what what's different between somebody who destroys. And you could say that there there's some people that think that creating art is to cause chaos and destruction. And it's like, no, you're not bringing anything new. You're just tearing down. You're breaking. You're, you can be revealing pain and suffering, but you're not That you're sounds not like a movie I saw recently. <laughs> the money um the, you're not sing, providing sing you're not providing hope you're not providing an answer you're not pointing out that there's another side to it you're just adding to the noise and then there's somebody who can walk in and breathe life into that situation who can comment on something and the words that they say can totally change the way things are um, they can change your view of everything with one statement and it's like, it's like, for example, somebody who's lost in despair and somebody just approaches them and can say something as simple as like, you, you matter and how two words can change everything, how you can speak life into somebody's situation and change how they feel and start to reveal hope and start to reveal something deeper. And to me, that's what creating is. Creating is bringing a new a new word into the into the discussion it's it's mixing things up and and seeing it from a different point of view it's not just pointing fingers it's pointing the finger at what's wrong but saying here's a hint at what we can be doing here's what's right here's where it could be better it's providing an answer um, by asking questions sometimes and i think sometimes people can destroy but actually be creating um, I, I love to, to give kind of a cheesy example. I love those, you know, wreck this journal. Yeah. 
and how every page just tells you how to basically destroy the journal. Mm -hmm. But what you're actually doing is creating something new out of what you've been given. You're finding creative ways to interact with your world, creative ways to interact with a piece of paper and with the people around you. Um, so it's not actually destruction. It's a different form of creating. Whereas if you just took a book and ripped it to shreds, you're not creating anything. You're just destroying. Um, so to me, the difference between making something or being the artist who's just able to copy other people's ideas on paper and copy somebody else's idea on a canvas and not even plagiarize, but your style is 100% somebody else's, there's those people. And then there's the people who reveal a bit of themselves, like Chuck was saying, or um, who are able to to just totally draw you in and melt the rest of the the situation around you away, like JP's talking about. Um, but they provide something new in the situation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like so, to me, creating is always bringing something new to the table. It's always, it's always shining a light on the area that the rest of us knew was there but missed. And that's, that's when creating is different from just making something or writing something. You're it's elevating. It's a, it's a deeper act. You're elevating something yes. that's already there. Yes. Creation's always, creation to me is always moving forward. Yeah. If you're in any way, shape, or form moving backward, then I don't think you're creating. I think you're adding to the noise or you're destroying the opportunity for something great to happen because right. creation's always pushing forward and progressing. Right. Kind of like if you rip off an American werewolf in London in your mummy movie. Right. Yeah. It's good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I see you. I see you, Matt. <laughs> well, that's, a way better definition than mine, to be honest. <laughs> no, it's, I, it I, is your definition. I, I think uh, that your your definitions uh your definition was saying the same thing. That's my point. Is I think all of us are seeing the exact same thing. And I found it interesting. The second you sent us a message saying I want to do a series on who your favorite creators are, I was instantly like, Oh, that's really interesting how JP whether you thought about it or not, you use the word creator rather than your favorite artist, author, filmmaker. You were like, who's your favorite creator? And I'm like, oh, that opens up so much more discussion to talk about creating. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, all right. Um, thank you, Matt. That's, uh, that's really, uh, I'm glad you're able to moderate that for, <laughs> for that moment. <laughs> I'm gonna take over for a minute. Don't yeah, me. <laughs> uh, I think that's a good way, a good, a good place to to end this this, this prelude. Yeah, yeah. Series. And then obviously, obviously, we'll be talking about Rob Bell <laughs> next week. Tune in because we'll be talking about Rob Bell for the first time in over a year. And who knows? <laughs> who knows? Maybe Rob Bell will be on the episode, right, Matt? Huh? Right. Uh, I'll I'll send him another email. That'd be great. <laughs> wouldn't that be Wouldn't that be awesome if it just it just showed up? Uh, Rob Bell's here, everybody. It'd be pretty funny, actually. Just, hey, just it's, it's happened there. before. I'm just saying. <laughs> cool. 
Well, yeah, okay. for the for yeah. people for people listening, hold on one one last thing before you do the closing statement because okay. we're going to be doing Rob Bell. For people listening who aren't familiar with him, look up the Numa videos. I'm sure they're on YouTube. Yeah, um, watch some of those. Those are kind of the thing that started it all with him. Um, and if you're a reader and you can read books quickly, the one book that I would suggest is Sex God. Um, to me, that was a that was the life changing. Mm -hmm. uh, life-changing one so the concepts in that were incredible but so just thoughts for them for the two of you you have to kind of go pick your own thing and read it because that was our deal so yeah well, I mean, <laughs> i've got i've got like i've got like a, a bunch of his stuff on my shelf yeah there you go. all of mine are autographed i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> were you totally that guy not not sign this now sign this. Yeah. Now yeah. sign this. Um, <laughs> every, time, every time I saw him, I had him sign something. And it seriously, you guys know this. At one point, it wound up being my arm. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. So that's where the grace and peace tattoo came from. So would you say you're, so, you're kind of a fan? A uh -huh, little bit, which is funny because he, a, a he wrote a fictional novel, his only one. And in it, he makes fun of people who tattoo sayings on their arms from famous speakers. <laughs> <laughs> So it's great. It's good. Cool. Well, I look forward to listening to you talk about Rob Bell again. Yeah, I think the two of you should read. <laughs> I think the two of you should read uh, Millones Cajones. Oh, is that the, the novel you're talking about? That's a, yes. That's his novel. It's free. I believe you can oh. still get to it from his website. It's okay. free. I honestly think the two of you should download it and read it. I think you both would love it and would be a very different discussion about him than every other one we've ever had. Yeah, I think I'll look into that, actually. That's a good idea. Yeah, I might do that. I, I mean, I've got a stack of things to read, but I'll, I'll try. I'll try. I'm, I, I, may have, I may have teared up at the end, but we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. <laughs> Just like how I kind of teared up at the end of Moana. Yeah, you finally <laughs> watched Moana and you I loved it. I did. I feel so bad. That last episode, I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. M meanwhile, I watch it again, and at the end, I'm like, I am Moana. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, right? It is really good. That was, that was, it was really good, you guys. Go watch Moana. It's on Netflix. Audience. <laughs> um, great. Okay. So, next week, we'll be talking about Rob Bell. Uh, Matt will be taking us uh, in, in, into Rob Bell's world. And talking at length about Rob Bell as a creator. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you, Father. Um, <laughs> so join us next week. Uh, Father Chuck, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. And Matt Wells, thank you. You're welcome. And audience, thank you for listening. Uh, keep subscribing and liking and, and, and pressing that play button and telling your friends about us. And uh, join us next week and have a wonderful week and good journey. Good journey. Good journey.